Okay, well, welcome to the August 10th, 2017 meeting of the Science Fiction Club, and we are following the same format that we followed last month that seemed to work out very well, and we're going to just have each of us talk about a book that they liked or didn't like or just read recently and want to tell us about. Um, So, whatever you guys want to talk about in terms of SF books, have at it. Here we go. I guess I'll start off. Let me see if I can lock the key, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the initial, I'm going to put on my uh, Bookmark Plus and read the initial information about the book that I read a while back called Homecoming, which I thought was very good, and I'll I'll comment on it a little better, but uh, has anyone not read it in in our group? If you're all familiar with it, I won't have to, you know, describe what it's about, basically. The only book I know with that title is, um, wait, maybe there are two books. One's Ursula K. Le Guin. Wasn't there a Star Trek with that title also? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think I've read it. All right, then what I'm going to do, let me see if I can lock the keyboard, and then I will play the initial information that comes with the book. You know, in the beginning of the book to give you an idea of what it's about, then I'll make you know, a few observations about it. The bad thing about the book is it doesn't it doesn't have any marks in it, so it's very difficult to get around the book. And you know, I read it a while back, so I've forgotten some of it, but nevertheless, I'll try to give an idea. So I'm going to try to lock it. All right, I hope it's locked. So let me get out here my book port plus here and. And uh, let's start. Uh, going. Beginning of title. Thank you. 
humanity's best interests at heart. But the people of Earth were not so sure. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the book very much. I thought it was very interesting. The first part described his life on the alien ship and how he interacted with his fellow uh, group of, of people in what they call a cohort. They were uh, all raised together, and they were, they were, it was like one of these intense language courses. They were all immersed in, in, in Earth-type things. They watched tons of old movies and, and listened to, I think, radio stations. The whole idea was to try and learn as much of Earth's culture as possible, so that when they arrived there, their, their uh, contact with, uh, with, Earth, with the Earth people would not be that traumatic. Um, they did get there, and it was very interesting to see how Sandy's first contact with uh, Earth people took place. Uh, he met a, 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 a girl, and it was interesting how he developed a relationship with her. And uh, there was quite a bit of human interest in it. Uh, it turns out, I don't want to tell the ending part because in case anyone wants to read the book, but uh, the Huckley had invested interest in coming to Earth. It wasn't just to help humanity as, um, as, as they initially said, and they had deceived Sandy about that. And also, um, in fact, he found himself in a very difficult situation, you know, to, to test his loyalty to his, you know, his alien brothers and sisters with whom he was raised from, from a baby or his actual humanity. So I would recommend the book very much. I enjoyed it very much. Let me see if I can unlock this. Windows L. Control L. Oops. 5%. Lock screen. Uh, you got it. Um, you're all set. Well, this is Sherry. I guess I can go next. I don't have anything prepared as fancy as um, Martin did. Um, I read um, Why Call Them Back from Heaven by Clifford Simak, and I, I can't say I really liked it that much. Um, I thought the premise was really interesting, which is what attracted me to this book. There's a place called, this is way far in the future, called Forever Center, and they have been freezing people's bodies for over 200 years in order to revive them at some point when the technology became available. And having set up this thing, the Forever Center has become a huge mega corporation, and it's changed the culture of the country. Um, everybody is looking forward to their second life. You get something implanted so that if you die, you know, people rush out and, and freeze you right away. Obviously, the logistics of having this many people, 200 years worth, to revive are quite daunting, and they have plans in place to build these giant apartment buildings, including underground. They have counselors on staff to reorient people to culture when they're revived, all this stuff, but they don't have the technology to revive anyone quite yet. So um, a lot of the book takes place with a couple people that work there, know something, some secret in some papers that other people don't know, and the people that don't know are the bad guys, and they're chasing the good guys around trying to find out what the big secret is, and the good guys get ostracized and become kind of like homeless people that are on the run and being searched for. Uh, I didn't like the book that much. I thought the premise was really an interesting one, but they didn't flush it out 
neatly enough to know what they were going to do. They also were considering time travel in order to deal with this uh, huge number of people. Like, And they didn't flush that out at all. I don't know if they were going to send people back in time or to the time where they died. I'm not sure because that wasn't really well explained. It was a relatively short book, and it was okay, but I can't say that I'd strongly recommend it. Again, the most interesting thing about it was just the, the premise. Okay. Um, I didn't read a whole lot of science fiction this month, but I thought about recommending a book that I had read way, way back. Has anybody read um, The Book of Scathe by Lee Brackett? Uh, that's Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Brackett with two Ts. Um, and this was published back in the 70s, and I read it at around that time. And it is the story of a planet that is... Um, slowly dying and the earth people come and they want to relocate these uh, you know the various cultures that are on the planet and um, the whole the whole uh, long book is all about the interaction between the earth people and the various cultures on this planet and they take a long journey and go you know practically all around the whole planet because they um, they want to warn the, the people that they that their planet is dying and they have to relocate and um, or do something so um, and I remembered reading it years ago, and I was planning on unearthing it and rereading it, and I thought I would just do a quick review, um, nothing fancy. I did discover, now, I read this book, as I say, back in the 80s, and it was recorded by the Volunteers of Vacaville, if you can believe it, and I still have that recording, which I'm going to unearth, but I did find it on Bookshare. So the book is on Bookshare, and it is a combination of, um, I think it's a trilogy, three books, um, which is why it's called The Book of Scathe, but it is, um, it is on Bookshare. I did check that out, so that's my book. Well, I guess I could go next. Um, I just read these two books within just the last few days. Actually, I just finished the second one maybe three days ago. And what it is, is it was a book that was, apparently both of them have fairly recently been put on board. The first one is uh, The Long Way to, there's a sequel to it, which I'm going to have to get up here and I never can remember the exact name. I've got to get my magnifier on this okay a closed and common orbit and the woman's name is chambers and i can't remember her first name right now and of course i didn't write down anything like the name that would have been way too easy but anyway these are really fun they're not fabulous deep mind-blowing science fiction but if you like aliens and you like things like firefly from tv 
um, you're going to love these books. They're just really quite nice. The first one is set specifically on a spaceship that is a basically a thing that makes uh, wormhole tunnels. And it is going to this planet where it's going to create a wormhole back to the, I think they call it the Galactic Common or something like that, which is a whole consortium of alien species plus the humans that um, sort of populate the galaxy and have banded together to do a bunch of stuff. And the people that are the ones whose angry planet is the one they're headed to, happens to be the home planet of another alien species that has just been a pain in the neck for everybody for centuries, apparently. And it's just really fun. This The, the main character is a, a woman who comes in to be kind of like the clerk to the captain. And there are all these wonderful personal stories about each one of them, and there's all kinds of cool stuff that happens. And there's a, I mean, there's even a um, artificial intelligence that is a very important part of the story. And then the second book follows the kind of the reincarnation of the same artificial intelligence that uh, is such an important part of the first book. And that's a really interesting story, too, because she becomes a sort of artificial person. And it's the story of her kind of coming into her own as a human, as a artificially intelligent being. It's, they're both just really fun. No, they sound like they were very good reading. Are they, how long is each one? Are they, are they both included in one book, or are, you, are they separate titles? There are two separate titles, and there are two separate books on Bard. I can give you the numbers if you're interested. I thought they were, um, somebody was talking about that there's apparently a new uh, Vada's War uh, additional book from Elizabeth Moon. And this really reminds me a lot of her writing. If you have that number handy, I could write it down real quick. Okay, here they are right now. You ready? First is 88145. That's the small angry planet one and then the other one is eight eight one four six boy all right very good i've got them written down thank you for sharing i was very disappointed that there wasn't yet a third one well i read a star trek book actually it's star trek the next generation uh book called q squared and that's q hyphen and the word squared it's DB39441, written by Peter David and narrated by Gary Tilton. What drew me to it was that they actually run parallel, well, it involves uh, both Q and Trelane, who came from the original Star Trek series. Yeah, this episode was called The Squire of Gothos. And the first part of the book, you're on a time track in which, um, oh, I can't remember the guy, he was Beverly's husband, Crusher, is captain of the Enterprise, and John Luke Picard is first officer. 
and you go along in that track for a while, and then you're over on another track, which is on the standard next generation, um, all of the TV series. And then later, a third track gets added in involving the one where the Empire is at war, or the Klingon Empire is at war with the Federation. And thanks to Trelane's meddling, um, the three timelines merge and it gets really confusing, but I was kind of fascinated by the way the author wove the three timelines not only in with each other, but in with the original Star Trek series. Uh, I think you'd have to be quite a Trekkie to enjoy this book, but I am, and I did. I guess I can jump in. I was trying to decide between several books to talk to you about. I thought about Kim Stanley Robinson's 2140, which was very good, much better than 2312, which this group read at some point, but I decided not to. Then I just thought about maybe both Mirador novels, which are written by Dan Wells, but they're sort of young adult in a a Los Angeles of 50 years uh, from now where everything is run by robots and most people struggle to make a living because all the jobs have been automated, but I decided not to. Then I thought about The Last Day on Mars by Dan uh, with Dan Emerson, it's sort of a young adult. It, part of it I don't like. The, one of the guys has a, sort of discovered an alien's body on Mars on the top of Olympus Mons, the highest mountain in the solar system, by the way, 25 kilometers tall. And um, he uses the watch. He figures it out, and he can look forward in time to see what he's going to do and how that's going to turn out. And then he changes what he's going to do, which to me is a paradox. But you have to suspend that, so I'm not going to talk about it. The book I'm going to talk about is DB87741, Change Agent, a novel by Dan Suarez. This book was fascinating because he uses hard SF to extrapolate a world that is believable. In this world, genetic manipulation rules. Those countries which have invested in this technology are at the top of the heap. Singapore is actually where the novel is set. America is sliding down because I believe the author suggests that religious elements in the country have blocked genetic advances. Anyway, to make a long story short, the main character is asked to investigate because there is a rumor going around that there has been Um, a procedure invented that literally allows a person to change their identity. Their body swells and puffs and flip-flops and changes if you put a virus in and they can be somebody else. This was a, a big argument in the book because in this book, the way most people changed was that they changed their gene line so that their children, their, their future children would be taller or smarter, but they couldn't change themselves. Once you were born, they called this in vivo versus in vitro changes, in vivo being what you could do to your own self and in vivo being what you could do in a dish. It's a fast-paced, high-tech, hard SF by an author who I'm told, and I know I read one of the book by him, I think Evan might remember what it is, um, an author who specializes in this sort of thing. They're fun, they're fast, very fast, scarily real, you know, if this kind of stuff happens. And interesting, because like I said, the setting in Singapore 
had buildings that were all environmentally friendly. Food was grown in these skyscrapers. The streets were lit at night by glowing trees. The leaves had bioluminescence. It was, in some ways, it was a nice, I would have liked to visit that Singapore. Though I'm sure like today's Singapore, it's not very democratic. But if you don't make trouble, you could probably make out okay. Can you repeat the title? The title is Change Agent. Change Agent. A novel by Dan Suarez. DB87741. Yeah, I think our club did uh, Demon. uh, D-A-E-M-O-N. The first in his Demon Freedom duology a, a while back. And that was pretty good. I do want to get to this book in the near future, but I haven't read a word of science fiction this month. Um, I'm just, um, well, I'm reading uh, uh, fiction right now, but it's not really science fiction. Um, The author calls it a fantasy, and I guess I have to agree with him. It's very good, and I don't read fantasy normally, but this is all of Stapledon, so... um, But... um, I do want to get to this uh, change agent pretty soon because the Demon Freedom duology was, was very good. But Evan, wasn't there another one he did, something about that the future really happened, but the government, if you invented something, the government would sort of kidnap you and put you in a high-tech prison. They didn't want us having all the neat things that we were supposed to have, like in the late 1930s and 40s, all these science fiction people imagined things like flying cars, and they were all invented in the late 1980s, but the government blocked it, so we're not really in the future we should be in, and I cannot remember what that one was called. It was kind of creepy. I heard of that, but I don't remember the title, and I did not read it. He's got at least one other book on Bard that I haven't read, maybe two uh, that I haven't read. So it might be up there, but I don't recall it right now, and my brain's not at full functioning, I admit, because I only had a few hours of sleep in the last 28 hours. So anyway, um, but I think you're right, but I'm blamed if I can think of the title. Marshall, what was your book again? Um, I forgot the title. I'm trying to keep a list here. Um, I'm just tapping away here on my Braille note, and I... Totally forgot your book. What was the title, and, and do you have a DB number? Yeah, the title was Q hyphen squared the word. Um, the DB number, I think, is 39441. Got it. Thank you. Um, and it's by Peter David. I read about three-quarters of that book, and I got kind of lost in all the, the different time time uh, tracks I, I, I was sort of feeling like Schrodinger's cat half there and half not <laughs> so I, I kind of let it go but um, I did read a good part of it I know I've read that book a million years ago and all I remember is that I would have cheerfully strangled you that I don't know who invented that character, uh, and I'm just not a huge fan of Gary Tipton. I'm sorry. There's something about his voice that bothers me. Just like Bob Askey, uh, Bob Askey, who was extremely popular with blind readers. I was a Merwin Smith fan. Some narrators just irk me. I can sometimes read the book if I want it badly enough, but sometimes I just can't do it. 
I like Gary Timpton. I agree with you about Bob Askey, though. I don't understand his popularity, but I like Gary Tipton. He read A Fire Upon the Deep, which is on my favorites list, which the club did, and most other people didn't rave about it as much as I did, so I thought they were all crazy. But um, overall, I like Gary Tipton quite a bit, but I agree with you about Bob Askey. Well, I think Bob Askey's narration... Um you you may well, I like Bob Askey, and I liked him because his voice is kind of baritonish and kind of smooth and and uh you know sort of um, well, I hate to be sexist, but say uh but uh, the word that comes to mind is manly, you know, so if he was reading you know some book with with guns and you know, whatever it was, it it sounded right. Uh, I don't know. I like his voice, but then, you know, I'm. <laughs> I guess I'm the odd person out here, but uh, I I liked his stuff. Uh, I like Merwin Smith too. So, um, you know, and uh, I mean, there are there are some that I don't care for, um, but. Those particular ones I do. Yeah, and I gotta say, Merwin Smith read two of my favorite books, um, God Emperor of Dune, and he read the analog serialization of Werner Vinge's classic Marooned in Real Time. Now, he didn't do the Bard version, that was done by Bruce Hunty, who did a, he did a respectable job, it was okay, but, uh, Merwin Smith did the analog version, which I don't have anymore, um, but uh so yeah I definitely liked him a lot too. I can't uh he's he's definitely on my favorites list and I was sad to hear that he had retired. Well, you're not alone Anne. this is Sherry and I like Bob Askey too. So do I. And Gary Tipton's okay. There's one author I can't remember his name. But he always takes a breath before he starts to speak. So you can hear him go Blah, 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 and it really got on my nerves after a while. That would get on my nerves as well. Roy Avers is one people either like or don't, and I find all those voices distracting in a way. I like Roy Avers. I like him a lot. Um, He's read, uh, well, he hasn't read anything on my favorites list, but he's read a great many good books, and... um, he, I, I just found out a few months ago, as I mentioned to the Science Fiction Club list, that he did a version of Andre Norton's Star Rangers. And uh, I took that book outside back in April or May. i got to remember when I did it. I think it was in April. It was well, a warm night, though, and, and uh, listened to him read that. Uh, Under the Stars in my backyard on a nice warm night. It was a... It was a magical evening, and um, yeah, I like Roy Eves a lot, but I know Lissy doesn't like him very much. She thinks he sounds too much, he has a gangsterish sound to his voice or something, which he does sometimes. Um, but I, and now talk about a manly voice. Now, there is a rich voice. Um, I know he was a singer also, um, but there is a very there was a very manly voice, I would say. 
we should probably say the late Roy Avers. I believe he passed either early this year or last year. I'm not certain anymore at all. I, I don't remember exactly. John Barrow did the first Dune book, if I recall, and did it decently well. But I don't think, know if he pronounced some of the names right, like Duncan, either Idaho or I- Idaho. I can't remember now. Evan would have to tell me. Ah, yes. Don, uh, John Barrow did the first Dune book, and I actually have a copy. Um, but anyway, um, and then they gave it to J.P. Litton, whom if I had heard the first time, I would have thought was great. But, but uh, yes, John Barrow did mispronounce some things. He, he mispronounced Duncan Idaho's name, and he mispronounced Benny Jesserit which he said, Gesserit, or something like that. And, um, but nevertheless, nevertheless, um, you know, he, was, he, was, he did a great job with it, I thought, and that's another one on my favorites list. He died, too. I don't know exactly when, but it was many years ago, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't mention Roy Avers had passed away, though I did say was. Uh, when I was talking about him, but yes, he, he did pass away. That was tragic because he didn't get to finish uh, f- the Wheel of Time series. No, uh, no disrespect to John Polk because he's great. I think he's great, but um, I would have loved to have seen Roy Avers or heard Roy Avers finish that. But I'll let, say no more about that because that's not science fiction. I'll say very quickly. Um, John Barrow was in your neck of the woods. I believe he read for the Cleveland Society for the Blind. And I would have discussed the first three books in the series Eric Van Lustbader did. Uh, the, is it called the, the Five Rings series? But it's science fiction and fantasy. I don't know how they would place it. And he's never picked it up. He's so busy making money, probably doing all those Jason Bourne things that the late Robert Ludlum started that he won't finish his series I've been waiting for 10 years I'm disgusted Uh, probably none of you have ever read uh, The Ring of Five Dragons but it's got science fiction I read the first one I didn't like it Um, it was very violent and I didn't think I thought it was pretty hokey um, and quite violent um, more than I wanted to handle really I suppose I could have if I had thought the plot was better or the science was more believable or something but I did not I did not like the first book so I didn't uh, keep up with it well talking about old or long time talking book readers one of my absolute favorite books of all time is uh, Arthur C. Clarke's uh, A Fall of Moon Dust and uh, I believe it's Arthur C. Clarke. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. A Fall of Moon Dust and um, read by Robert Donnelly, which a copy of I do have. Um, I have some stuff that I... uh, Let's just say I borrowed them long-term from NLS back in the 80s (laughs) when I had a reel-to-reel tape recorder. Carla... Welcome in. I meant to welcome you earlier. Do you have anything, uh, any book you want to talk about? Oh, I think she left. Darn it. Yeah, she's been popping in and out, I've noticed. Um, I, I happened to notice that she popped in a couple of times. And then she left a couple of times. So she might be back. So keep an eye on the, on the uh, participants list. 
I used to have it tell me when people popped in and out, but then it started, you know, and then when I went to one of those big meetings and I couldn't hear what anybody was saying because people were going in and out, and I turned it off and, 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 and then I forgot to turn it back on and I forgot it was there even. Well, <clears throat> it's really kind of funny. Evan, when you were talking about Dune and you mentioned that the person who read it had mispronounced a bunch of things, the way that he mispronounced Jesserit was Jesserit. And it absolutely drove me crazy because I had read that book as, um, I read the book the first time before I started having problems with my eyes. And that was the way I pronounced it, it was Jesserit, just like you do. And it absolutely made me crazy when I was reading the book um, as a recording. And I remember it to this day, and it's probably been 40 years, or at least 30 anyway, because it was a long time ago. Well, he learned somehow or other, because if you read The Maker of Dune, which John Barrow also reads, he pronounces Duncan Idaho and Benny Jesserit correctly. And we know it's Jesuit because Frank Herbert said so because it's supposed to rhyme with Jesuit. And that's a deliberate parallel. And if you know the books well and you know much about the Jesuits, you can see the parallels quite clearly. But how can somebody mispronounce the name of a state? You know, Idaho has always been Idaho to me. And it wasn't spelled any differently, I don't believe, because I could read. I read it back when I could see, and it was spelled the same as same way as the state. Maybe, maybe he thought on the planet of Dune, you just wouldn't pronounce things like an old state like Idaho. Did, did we ever find out what is Dune really Earth that's gone through some cataclysmic change? I never finished the series. It got too weird for me with with Paul or whatever covering himself in little flat baby worms and they sort of made a skin over him and I had to quit after that. It got too and those Fremens and giant worm things is that got a little that's almost as much fantasy as science fiction. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it has a fantasy element. No, Dune was never Earth. Earth was um he doesn't mention Earth very much. He refers to it as Terra Hell in the second book, which kind of led me to believe that it was um, um, destroyed or badly damaged in some conflict or other, perhaps nuclear, and it never recovered. This is, um, and he doesn't mention it much after that. But it's Dune was definitely not Earth. I'm sure about that. And yeah, I guess I, I have to agree. Um, you know, this is 20,000 years in the future or however far, and he just may have thought that Idaho wasn't, you know, pronounced the same way as it was, you know, uh, during the state. Um, it turned out that it was, but you have to make those decisions when you're reading, and, and that's how he decided to uh, pronounce it. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, I liked all the books. I even read the ones that... Um, I, I, I read the um, final Dune, and I read a couple of those prequels and stuff, but I didn't read all of them that Kevin Anderson and Brian Herbert wrote, and I thought they were greatly inferior for several reasons, and that, that'll, I, I won't get going a long tirade about that. But, um, yeah, I liked um, all the ones that Herbert wrote. Um, and uh, But, yeah, he... Uh, 
I guess he just decided that it wasn't going to be pronounced the same because it was so far in the future. But uh, as I said, he corrected himself in the maker of Dune, which was, you know, which he also read. Well, I noticed that Carla's back. Carla, we were talking about you when you were gone, wondering if you had a book you wanted to talk about. I did, and I'm having trouble with my computer. Believe it or not, I got that I want to cry virus, and I can't. I lost all my files, and I was able to salvage the computer, I think, but Accessible World has been acting up, so I guess I better talk fast. I actually have two books. If anybody has anything, you know, I went to a data recovery guy, and they couldn't get anything back for me, but that's another long story. It's my own science fiction, and it's not fiction, and I wish it were. But anyhow, there are two books that I'd like to recommend. That, um, the one book that um, I, I'm a fan of, The Twilight Zone. And as you know, there's a lot of science fiction in The Twilight Zone. And I love how they brought back the radio dramas. Anyhow, they've come out with a book which is on Bard. It's called The Twilight Zone, 19 Original Stories on the 50th Anniversary anniversary and it's db71335 and the stories are great you know it's 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 really great um um you know it's rod serling at his best and um you know it's it's written in his style it's obviously not not him but um but I think I think the group ought to read it sometime I and mean, that's how I, I love that book so much um, the stories are, um, it, they're sort of like the series, and, and some are, and some aren't, and some are science fiction, and, and some are sort of science fiction, if you know, I, I call them pseudo-science fiction. And then there's another book that I really like, and I, I, I don't know, I haven't been able to get any group to take it on, but I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's called um, The Age of Miracles, and it's by Karen Thompson and it's um, DB7. Well, when I look at my favorites, see, I lost all my book downloads, too. So I had to go back to my, um, you know, barred downloads. And um, when I downloaded it one time, it said 74891 for its DB number. But um, on the downloads um, list, um, it was seven. It was seven four eight nine zero, so I guess it, it knows it, maybe it's two DB numbers. I don't know, but the premise of this story is an eleven-year-old. Um, it's told from an eleven-year-old girl's um, um, perspective, but um, the world slows down. You know, it's the beginning of the end of the world, and um, the days are getting longer, and they, you know, the Earth moves out of sync, and it's all the things that happen to these people as the earth is winding down and I really enjoyed the story a whole lot so um, those are the two books that I really recommend now I had a, a book that really disappointed me and that and the one book that really disappointed me to the point where I didn't finish it was um, um, The Last Days of New Paris um, by China um, um, Mieville and um, Ralph Lister, and it was um, read by Ralph Lister, and it was the, the premise of the book. You might like it, but I just couldn't finish it. Was that, um, um, and it was in 1955, and you're in Paris, and um, the Nazis, uh, you know, are in the book. Um, and what happened was um, they leashed this um, 
plague or this um, weapon that involves nightmares, you know, giving people nightmares. And I thought it would be a pretty cool book, but it, it just turned out to be sort of violent and confusing. But some of you might like it. That does sound unique. I was going to say something about a previous remark. Um, Evan, when you set science fiction 20,000 years from now, like Dune, or when you think of that Severian the Torturer series by Gene Wolfe, not his latest book, some sort of detective thing in a virtual library, but his Severian the Torture, that's a million years from now. To me, that's probably all fantasy. I don't envy an LS narrators from the 50s, 60s, and 70s trying to learn to pronounce stuff. There was no internet. You'd probably have to get on the phone and call the publisher and get the agent to get the writer to ask and then make a list of it to keep if it's a book in a series. Uh, Carla, I think um, Age of Miracles was discussed by a book group. I thought either Novel Ideals or Worlds of Books. I'm not sure, and I could be wrong. You might have to look back through the archives, but I think one of those groups did discuss that book. Do you, sure. Do you think it was Re- Rebecca Cragness's group? She has a telephone group. I know I read it for some group. I, I agree with you because I remember thinking, I just don't think it's um, possible the laws of gravitation for the Earth to slow down. I think we'd all f- fly off it or something. I don't, I don't see how that – it makes an interesting book, though, but it, it just didn't seem like scientifically you could do it. I really, I remember liking the book. I don't think it was Rebecca's phone group because I've never been on on that before. So it must have been one of the other two. But it's been a long time. Well, as far as fantasy, uh, you know, in science fiction, um, it's good to keep my uh, Clark's third law in mind. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. But that doesn't mean that science fiction and fantasy are the same. If you want the long version, ask Roger. He's written about it several times, and he'll be happy to write about it again for you to explain the difference between science fiction and fantasy. But um, I liked The the New Sun. I read it not too long ago again when it came out on Bard, read by O.R.I. Avers, all five. The fifth book is not technically part of The New Sun, but it is, you know, set there, and it's a good book, great book. Actually, it's my favorite it's the most Stapledonian of the five, which brings me to the book I want to talk about, and I'll be brief because it's getting late and we got sidetracked, or I would have talked about it earlier. And it came out on Bookshare and Publisher Quality not too long ago, along with several of his other books, one of which I'm reading now. Uh, but it's not science fiction, as I said, technically. But Odd John is science fiction, written in the 30s, and it's about a guy who was born who's a a new human species. He's uh, smarter, you know, he's got some psychic abilities, and he's um, more capable in just about every way. And this book is about his early childhood and his growing up, and he does some rather morally questionable things. You know, he explores his potential, you might say, and some of them... A little scam back in the 30s, some of them might have been a bit, a bit scandalous. Then he goes off and looks for others of his kind, and of course, Stapleton's prodigious imagination comes into play here. And he meets some, some people who were ill treated because they look different, and there, some of them have gone mad and have gone down some strange alleys of you know thought. And, but he puts together a colony, and some of them have more telepathic abilities, and some of them have other abilities, and some of them are just really good at intellectual things, and or very empathic or whatever. And 
he puts together a colony on an island, and and the the last part of the book takes you on a tour of the colony and what it's like, and it's kind of Stapleton's idea of what a really noble human society might look like if it were just a bit more capable, you know, than our society. Um, I'm not going to reveal the ending. Um, if you want to read it, it's on Bookshare. It's not on Bard. It used to be on RFB when it was before it was Learning Ally, but it was never digitized, along with the uh, other Stapleton book they had. Um, but now Bookshare has them all, pretty much, So uh, and they're PQ. So if you want to read something a little different, more imaginative, and somewhat thoughtful, he, he uses uh, John's voice to make some remarks about British society or human society in general from a human you know, a homo superior kind of point of view, but most of the book is not about that. That is part of it, but most of it is about his quest, you know, to find himself and then find others of his ilk, you know, the new species, and set up the colony, and and he describes the colony. And it's a classic. Um, Most people would agree who've read it. Uh, I know Silverberg was a great admirer of Stapleton, as was Clark and uh, Brian Aldous and others. He's one of my literary heroes, and uh, so I want to mention his book here, um, and uh, that's it. Well, one of his books. He's got he got uh, Sirius, which uh, the BBC actually turned into a play back in the 70s, only they changed the dog's name to Socrates. It was about a an enhanced dog, and as once again, Stapleton's prodigious imagination, he describes the world from the dog's point of view as the dog goes to university. And, you know, you just, you know, he describes him walking down the street and everything he sees and smells and everything, and you kind of really get into the dog's head. It's it's another marvelous book, but it's not a happy ending. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but for those who want that and don't like books without it, um, I guess you might want to skip that one. You'd be surprised at how many of my friends would say that if a dog book has an unhappy ending, they don't want to read it ever. Well, I know somebody that won't read books that don't have happy endings. So, um, And I have to say that I really like to have books that at least come to a major conclusion, um, you know, a relatively happy conclusion. Uh I've got about 10 o'clock, so um, unfortunately I've got stuff i got to do tomorrow morning. So I'm going to go off into the blue here. Thank you for um, a wonderful meeting, and I will come back. So long as you keep your format the way it is, because this way I can read whatever strikes my fancy during a month and um, be okay. So I like this. Anyway, take care, all. Bye for now. Take care, all. See you September 14th. Okay, well, I think we will close up for tonight and just remind people that the next meeting will be on Thursday, September 14th at the same time. So we get five weeks this month to read something or talk about something we read previously. Hopefully I'll get something read this month. Uh, I have some things on the agenda. We'll see if I get to them because there's more nonfiction coming out at the end of the month that I want to read. But anyway, 
Uh, our next meeting is on July or whoops, September fourteenth at nine p.m. Eastern. So goodbye, all.